Well, good morning. morning. Happy Mother's Day. You don't, I'm not a mom, so you don't actually have to wish me Mother's Day. It's okay. My name is Matt Howe. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and uh, Sue Lee's right. I do spend the majority of my time over on the uh, contemporary side and with the students, but uh, it's great to be over here today, and great to be over here on such a full day, Danny. You got special players up here. We got teenagers coming up. We got preschool kids. I, I, think, I think what it is is it's preparing you that if the sermon is really lame, you will have already gotten your fill. So I think, I think that's what's going on here. In all seriousness, a huge thank you to all you moms out there. Uh, and wow, right? I don't think I ever understood. I told my mom on Friday we had brunch together. And I said, I'm not sure that I ever really understood just what a mom does until I began watching my wife mother our four children. Um, It's just incredible what you moms do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. The hours are long and the pay is not all that great, right? In fact, I totaled it up. I think there's 168 hours in a week, so that's about what a mom works, right? Because there's many nights when you're woken up. And and also to you grandmothers, thank you as well, because I know your grandkids adore you. Uh, In fact, a boy once said, Daddy, Daddy, I really want to get married. And the father said, well, for that son, you're going to need a boy and a girl. And the son said, well, I found a girl. And the dad said, well, who? And the boy says, my grandmother. Well, let me get this straight, the father says. You want to marry my mother. You can't do that. Well, why not, the boy said. You married mine. Right? Ah, the minds of children. What I do find interesting, though, is that even as hard as my wife works at being a great mother, she still at times seems to deal with an insane amount of guilt. Now, this is not the guilt that keeps a person up at night, mind you, but, you know, she'll say things like, uh, like when we're finally able to get the kids asleep, which which is a job, it's a task at our house, Uh, she'll come downstairs, plop on the couch, and say, you know, I just don't feel like I'm spending enough time with them, or I don't feel like I'm meeting their needs well enough, or or whatever. Or there have been times when the kids are out of line, which, by the way, barely happens around our house. You can laugh. I'm I'm kidding. And Christian will say something like, I feel like I'm failing my children. And, And I'll say to her, I'll say, Christian, you can't say stuff like that. You're being too hard on yourself. You're an amazing mother. Your kids know how much you love them. You provide for their needs. You spend quality time together. You give them words of affirmation. Stop worrying so much about it. In fact, some days I feel like a real jerk because all I'm thinking is, man, we're doing way too good at this, right? (laughs) Like the kids need to spend less time with us. We need to spend less money on them. You know what I'm saying? Moms are just that way, right? Moms, how many of you have ever felt guilty for not being a good enough mom? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Show it to me. Well, that's just a lie, so don't believe it, okay? You're great. You're great. But speaking of guilt, how many of you have ever felt guilty for doing something to someone or having done something wrong? Just you felt guilty in your life. All right, this is where everyone raises their hand, okay? Come on, get them up there. Raise your hand. Okay, all right, all right. So we've all felt guilty at times, right? And I tell you what, in order to relieve the angst in the room, let's just go ahead and look at one another on the count of three and say, you're guilty. All right? So we're going to do that. Okay? So here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Go. That's right. You're guilty. We're all guilty, right? Original sin took care of that problem. Uh, Right from the start, Adam and Eve got it out of the way. But this morning, I want to dive a little deeper into 
this topic of guilt. Now, for those of you who have been around the last several weeks, you know that we've been working our way through the series, and I always have to read the slide because otherwise I mess it up, but it says it's okay to be not okay. Say that with me. Ready? It's okay to be not okay. That's right. It is. And weeks one through five, we spent time talking about everything from calamity to anxiety to loneliness to unfulfilled relationships to doubt and disappointment. And we've all felt the presence of all of these things in our lives at one time or another. But unfortunately, the normal response, at least of those of us who are believers, has been to kind of hide them. And the church has actually been okay with hiding the fact that its congregants are anything but okay. Well, I say no more. And the purpose of this series has been to remind all of us, each of us, that it is, in fact, okay to be not okay. Even God himself is okay with it. And so I want to spend some time this morning talking about guilt, which is another one of those things that kind of makes us not okay. And I want to talk with us about how we can deal properly with our sin and accept God's forgiveness and unconditional love. Now David, a character in the Old Testament, who became king, dealt with guilt. And so we're going to listen to some of his words. He writes a lot of them in the book of Psalm. And we're going to look specifically this morning at the first part of Psalm chapter 32. David says, he writes, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's a beautiful picture of who God is and how God works. In a very real way, David dealt with feelings of guilt. Now, guilt, by definition, is an awareness of having done something wrong accompanied by feelings of shame and regret. Now, whether Psalm 32 stemmed from David's affair with Bathsheba or from some other incident, it is clear that David has guilt. And that at least at first, he seems to be hiding his sin and guilt from God. Guilt was reaching a point where it was causing physical difficulty for David. David says that his bones, his body, was wasting away. Guilt was also uh, causing him difficulty emotionally. It was causing him emotional strain. His strength was, was being sapped as in the heat of summer. How many of you got to spend some time outside yesterday or have plans to be outdoors today, right? Upper 80s. Welcome to Ohio where we jump straight from winter to summer. Right? No spring this year for anyone. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that, though, where your strength is literally being sapped by the guilt that you bear? You said something that you wish you could have taken back. I mean, you had no idea that that thing you were saying was going to cause that other person so much pain. Or maybe there was something that you did that you wish you could go back and undo. You never meant for things to end up this way. Well, like David, we deal with feelings of guilt. In fact, there are actually two types of guilt that I want to talk with us this morning about. And we experience both of these types of guilt in our life. There is 
true guilt and there is false guilt. Now that might be a little bit of an oversimplification, but, but just stay with me. So the first type is, is true guilt. Another word for true guilt is sorrowful guilt. God is okay with true and sorrowful guilt in our lives. True, sorrowful guilt is actually constructive. This type of guilt that uh, is what David is expressing in Psalm chapter 32. When we as Christians are living in sin, we are out of fellowship with God. We experience alienation from Him. While our future destiny does not change, we cannot fully embrace and enjoy the benefits of walking with God in the midst of whatever it is that we may be going through because of this guilt. While sin, S-I-N, separates us from God eternally, our sins, S-I-N-S, cause separation between God and us in the here and now. As we sense our sinful condition, it can hopefully result in true, sorrowful, or constructive guilt that will then result in repentance to dealing properly with our sin. David records these words in Psalm 51. He says, You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Now we know that David wrote these words when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. In David's time, a sacrifice was necessary. But what David is saying here is that mere sacrifice is not enough. David knew that that sacrifice must be accompanied by a genuinely sorrowful and repentant heart. The physical pain and emotional strain will remain until we confess our sin and call on the name of the one who can remove the stain. That was confusing, wasn't it? Little Dr. Seuss up in here, right? So let me say that again. The physical pain and emotional strain will remain until we confess our sin and call on the name of the one who can remove the stain. Amen? In other words, if you are carrying true and sorrowful guilt with you this morning, I would invite you to repent of your sin, to ask God for forgiveness, and to receive his mercy and love. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8-10. through 10. Paul writes, he says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. No regret. A second type of guilt that we sometimes experience in our lives is what we call false guilt. Unlike true guilt, God does not desire that we live with false guilt. False guilt is not constructive, but destructive. False guilt is self-condemning, a self-punishing response to things for which we are not and never have been truly guilty. False guilt is purely imaginative, but its effects on us are painfully real. This kind of guilt may stem from perfectionism, or from unrealistic expectations that we place on ourselves. 
It can also stem from unrealistic expectations that others put on us. Beneath these unrealistic expectations is often a sense of conditional approval. Well, if I succeed in doing all these things, then God will love me. Then others will love me. And perhaps I will even learn to love myself. Those who struggle most from false guilt are often the ones who are concerned about pleasing others and earning their favor, proving that they are worthy. How many of you are people pleasers by nature? That's just who you are. That's my wife. Do you ever deal with false guilt because of your desire to keep everyone content and happy and at peace with one another? So the question is, how do we deal with our guilt? We've all had, have, or unfortunately will have guilt for things that we have said and done, and sometimes for things that we have not said or done. So how do we deal with it? And by it, of course, I'm referring to true or sorrowful guilt. Guilt that results from sin in our lives. Not not false guilt, because remember, that type of guilt is not of God. It's not from Him. God does want to forgive sinners. Forgiveness has always been a part of God's loving nature. God revealed this to David, and he emphatically showed the rest of the world through Jesus Christ. In Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, we learn three things that can help us in dealing with our guilt. First off, we learn that God forgives rebellion. David says it this way. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. We read these words spoken by the prophet Micah in Micah 7, 18. He says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but know you delight in showing mercy. Again, that's God's nature. It's who he is. God forgives. The second thing we learn from Psalm 32 is that God puts sin out of sight. David writes it this way. He says, blessed is the one whose sins are covered. Not covered up, mind you, but forgotten. What does David mean? Well, the Bible says that God not only forgives our sins when we repent and trust Christ, but he also forgets them. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, he says, I will forgive the wickedness and will remember their sins no more. How is this possible? Well, on a human level, it isn't. We may remember what someone did to hurt us as long as we live. But with God, it is possible. God is able to blot out our sins so completely that it is as if it never existed. The psalmist declared in Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west. Now, I've yet to figure out exactly how far that is. It was pretty far. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he, God, removed our transgressions from us. That's good news, isn't it? It's good news. Does this mean that God just ignores our sins? Not at all. God is holy. God is just. And sin is an offense to him. When we sin, we're telling God that he doesn't matter as much to us. In fact, we're actually in open rebellion against him. We are guilty and deserve only his judgment. And no matter how hard we try, we can't just erase our sins or cleanse them from our hearts. But God can. Only God can do this. And that's exactly what he did when he sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to die for us. You see, we deserve to die. But on that cross... 
All of our sins were placed on him, and he died in your place, in my place, in our place. Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? You can. By turning to Christ this morning in repentance and faith, giving your life to him, you can know that you have his forgiveness. And the third thing that we learn is that God clears our record of sin. God clears our record of sin. David says it this way. He says, blessed is the one whose sin and the Lord does not count against them. Boy, that's good news. That would have been really good news for me in high school. You know? Ah, oh, that test score, that doesn't count against you. Right? Doesn't count against them. Several New, New Testament scriptures support this argument. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 is one of them. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Romans chapter 8, verses one, verse 1 is another one, and I love this. It says, therefore, you may know this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. So think about this. God has seen you at your worst, and he still loves you. God has seen me at my absolute worst, and yet he still loves me. God has seen us collectively at our worst. God has seen the church at its worst, and yet he still loves us. None of us, none of our sins, past, present, future, none of that is hidden from his sight, and he loves us in spite of it. He yearns to forgive us. He yearns to cleanse us and to purify our hearts and our minds. And so remember this morning that regardless of how you feel about yourself and how you think others might feel about you, you are loved by God. And we are all totally secure in Christ's unconditional and unfailing love. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that while our lives and our behaviors and our words, God, scream guilty, guilty, guilty. That God, the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, shouts back, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And God, that's good news this morning. It's good news for those in the room who have been carrying with them the guilt and the shame from, from sins past and maybe sins present. God, it's good news for them to know that, that they are forgiven when they genuinely repent, turn away from their sin and turn back to you, that you are waiting for them with open arms and unconditional love. That your mercy is new every single day. So God, forgive us, and God, may we learn to, to walk lives that are dependent upon you. May we learn and seek after your calling for us. God, not just these seniors in high school who are journeying on to something else, God, but each and every one of us in this room. Father, if we're not done with this world, then you're not done with us. And so help us to seek you out and to know that it's okay when, when life's not okay that, God, you're there and that you're present. We love you. Thank you for loving us. 
And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.